0: Thank you for tuning in to the mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stared on moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Hey all, it's me, Beshoy. As a marathon runner and endurance athlete, I've come to understand the importance of properly fueling your body for preparation and recovery. Every day you get a shot at success. How you start your day typically paints a picture of what the rest of the day will look like. Start your day with a super convenient, healthy, and delicious nutritional win. Meal One by Creatures of Habit. Overnight oatmeal packed with 30 grams of plant-based protein, chia, flax, and pumpkin seeds. Vitamin D3, omega-3s, a probiotic, and digestive enzymes made in under one minute. Stop wasting time or worrying about what to eat as your first meal of the day. Start with Meal One. Visit CreaturesOfHabit.com, Creatures spelled with a K, and use code MILE40 for 15% off a one-time purchase or the first subscription order payment. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 podcast. We are into season four. And once again, I just want to say thank you to all of you for continuing to listen, to subscribe, to follow, um, and to give your feedback. The feedback's been incredibly helpful um, and it's allowed me to bring on these amazing guests. Uh, Today, I have a special guest. Julia Perez is a C suite marketing executive who specializes in fast growing, emerging CPG brands in the healthier for you food and beverage space. Julia is a proud latina and a new yorker who is now located in miami florida before we got on i asked her if she had to give me the title of what her potential book would be called she said running up the stairs in heels and so we are going to dig into all that today julia thanks for joining me
1: thanks for having me Bishoy.
0: of course of course um I love that, you know, it, it took you maybe a second or two, but it, it kind of came pretty quickly with regards to uh, coming up with that title. And I want to get into um why perhaps you feel your life is depicted um in that in that way. So let's start off with where'd you grow up?
1: Yeah, so yeah, great question by the way. I was speaking with a friend recently and we were talking about, you know, if we were going through a chapter of life, what would the chapter be called? And it was. I feel like stairs is... um, It's a good descriptor for me because I feel like I'm always going to the next thing. (laughs) But back to your question. I grew up in the Hudson Valley in New York. So it's about an hour and a half outside of Manhattan. And um, yeah, I moved to the city. I went to school in Philadelphia. And I went and I just moved straight to the city after graduation, like most suburban New Yorkers tend to do.
0: Got it. Um, And you had mentioned to me your father was from Puerto Rico, correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. And he moved to the States when he was, I think, nine years old. And he moved to the Bronx and grew up mostly in uh, the Bronx.
0: Got it. Do you have any siblings?
1: I do. I have a sister named Jenna. She is 18 months younger than me. And she still, she lives a completely different lifestyle than I do. She's not a big city girl. I love cities. Like even moving to Miami was like, I mean, every day I still pretend that it's a walking city here and it's absolutely not. I just like failed to admit that this is like a new, it's like a mini city, I guess you can say. But my sister has chickens and a farm and lives on a beautiful property in the Hudson Valley
0: got it got it uh, very cool and um y- your dad what did he do for work
1: this is such a funny question to me because every time someone asks me I'm like I don't know exactly what he does all day but huh. he's a <laughs> ever and i just ask him to this day and i never get like good answers but he's a union laborer um, so it's operating machinery sometimes in an office and yeah i mean he's Definitely the hardest worker that I've ever come into contact with, like in a, in a close relationship setting. Um, you know, he's in his mid sixties and he's still working sometimes 10 hour shifts, sometimes seven days a week, barely takes off holidays, always working overtime. And he doesn't have to do that at this point, but it's just something that he, he likes to do. He likes to work. And I think. Watching him do that every single day while growing up in the same routine, waking up at four am, making his oatmeal with his cereal on top and berries or whatever. <laughs> and seeing that type of routine and just hard work. it's, you know, it's been a great example to me. He came here with nothing. He grew up on a farm and um moved to, you know, moved to the Bronx at a young age and has, in his sense, he has what the American dream. Means to many people who um are first coming to the states, so um super proud of him, even though he didn't teach me Spanish, which is a whole nother thing we can get into, but I think I have my own thoughts on why that didn't happen. um I think maybe when you move somewhere as a young kid, you want to be like everyone else, you want to be American, you want to speak the language, and you almost um for better or for worse, you drop that identity to fit in and assimilate. And so, you know, haven't haven't learned learning Spanish now. It's a big struggle for me. Like that whole identity, like that struggle with identity and like, am I Latina enough? Or, you know, it's 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 tough, especially here moving to Miami now, where there's such an amazing Latin culture. So I'm like kind of in the middle because I can't speak the language fully, but I'm learning, I'm getting better, and that's all that matters. Wow,
0: you know what I, one of the things I love about this podcast is I, I listen to guests like you speak, and you know it, I'm going to go in a completely different direction now than I was planning on, and I love <laughs> it. Uh, but no, I, I want to dig into this a little bit more. Did you have any extended family from your dad's side, um, around or was it just him, um, you know, in terms of just your, your Latina background?
1: Yeah. I mean, my grandmother would come over and cook and, but not, not really, I mean, not a super close family, which I feel like is different from what you hear from Latina families or Latino families being Super tight knit. I would say that's not been my experience. Um, Also, because he had a very he has a very large family, but some of them are in Puerto Rico, some of them are in Florida, Um, but he stayed in in New York. So maybe that has something to do with it. And I agree. I love. You know, it's funny because when I do podcasts or speak to people in the space, it's usually about my like what I'm doing for work. And this is completely different than anything I've done. So awesome. <laughs> I, 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 I love it.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's great. You know, two words you've kind of brought up a few times, you know, since we started the, the recording and before the recording identity and hard work. And, you know, one thing that I failed to mention in your bio because it wasn't what you worded out was um, you are in the C suite, but you're only 32 years old um and i think that has a lot to do with the fact that um hard work was instilled with you from an early age as much as i asked you about what your dad did to give you know the listeners insight into into your family i wanted you to kind of say the word hard work three or four times which you did uh because we know or i know that even though i've only been speaking to you for a couple of months now um you're Truly a hard worker and you know hard work has brought you to where you are and it seems like that was instilled in you um, from a younger age. Um, with regards to um the the way that you got to your current role um let, let's kind of navigate there a little bit. so you said you went to school in Philadelphia?
1: I did. I went to Philadelphia University. They went and changed their name to Jefferson University after a merger, which I don't love because it was a private school. I paid a lot of money to go there, (laughs) but you know, business is business. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really known to be more of a fashion, uh, school. They have a few special things they specialize in. And I, it was during like the hills era when I went there. So I just assumed, uh, I love fashion. I love the internet. Like I need to go in fashion merchandising and quickly realized that I had no connections, no family money. Fashion probably wasn't the best thing for me to do. Um, you know, I I could, I saw it, I saw it very clearly at a young age. Like I'd be on Excel sheets and maybe working for a big corporation that I didn't even care about and started to see the ugly sides behind supply chain and fashion. And I was like, you know what, I'm really great at social media. And um, maybe I need to be in marketing. I saw that there was a lot of demand. So Quickly switched into marketing and fashion. At the end of the day, it's I wasn't really interested in like the fabric and the 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 drapery of the of the clothing or the runway collections. I was interested in who you know who someone's becoming when they choose the fashion that they're putting on, and really that's marketing. And and fashion is even in what I do today, which is in CPG. Believe it or not, it's like the fashion, the music, the vibes. That's just marketing in general.
0: Got it. Um, And. You know, headed into college and, and later stages of your education, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do, or did you just kind of let your experience guide you?
1: Well, it's funny because what I liked to do, I didn't know that I could get paid for it, which is just um, more soft skills. And I mean, of course, social media. I was, I, I was an, always an early adopter. I had like. Live journal, I'm like dating myself, but it's fine. Live journal, my MySpace. I was the first I would like out of all my friends, and I was. Designing all of the pages with coding, and I was constantly taking photos of, of myself, honestly, and you know, making myself into a personal brand. And I started making friends from different schools, or you know, around like the districts that I grew up in, um, small, but like internet friends. I had, I had plenty of internet friends. I still talk to today, which is so weird. So yeah, I, I mean, social media. Like, I, I just didn't realize at that time that. Um, it was a real thing, and I think I quickly caught on to the fact that this was like a position, and, and saw that as you know why I wanted to go into marketing. But also, my first um, internship um, was at a digital marketing agency, and I remember um, I interviewed with the creative director, uh, who's actually a dear, dear friend of mine today, still to this day. And he he didn't really even ask me about <laughs> my Credential, like what I could do. He was just like, where do you get your fashion news? What do you like? What social media sites are you on? Why do you think that Twitter is like, what do you think about Twitter or Instagram? Which one do you think is better for what? And just really asking me my opinion on like how I use the internet, how I seek information, and um, how I find different influential um, news or people out there. And I was like, oh wow, this is like really fun. Like, I can't believe I'm like getting an internship that's asking me questions like this. What's the catch? And I got the internship and it was like super focused on um, like brands like Maybelline and Louis Vuitton and Revlon, just so many. I mean, like the biggest names that you can think of. And then also the Haynes Celestial Group, which is where I realized I love wellness. And um anywho, um, eventually got a job there and they told me, we don't know really where this position is going, but you can define it. And it's a partnership manager. And you're going to be managing all of the influencer marketing for all of our clients. So I was spending hours just researching influencers for some of the clients, like I named before, and just like, okay, like what would you have this influencer do? I mean, this is 2013, so there was no no one knew what you know what was going on. And I remember I was just like, this is crazy. Like, how is this my job? This is absolutely like a dream come true. And I think it just goes to show you that sometimes, um, and I still struggle, like I wouldn't say struggle. Maybe that's a bad word, but something I still have to remember today is just because it's easy for you doesn't mean it's easy for everyone and to really embrace your, you know, your zone of genius. And mine at the time, I mean, I'm, I'm older now. Things have changed a bit. Now I hire people to do things like this, but my zone of genius at the time was being right there in the mix. Following the creators, watching social media as it evolves. And so, you know, I always have to remind myself, even to this day, just because it's easy for you doesn't mean it's easy for everyone else. And those soft skills and those innate skills and those unique experiences that you go through every day can really be the, um, the differentiator that sets you apart in the future.
0: I'm a big believer in that. But let me ask you, have you ever had parts of journey especially earlier on where you started to doubt um uh the ability of those you know EQ focused skills to carry you forward and you know did you start to uh maybe think that um you needed more to get ahead or were you persistent in um you know your belief um that you know that can carry you
1: um <laughs> the question of the the century um for me at least Okay. So I think when you're young, you have this sort of blind... At least I did for whatever reason. I had a blind, unshakable confidence. And it was just ignorance, I think, is bliss. And life hadn't really rocked me yet. And I was getting ahead, um, getting promotions at the, the agency, getting opportunities elsewhere. And it hadn't really rocked me. But... When I started to get to the more mid senior level, I would say like manager on the cusp of director level, you know, I had my boss at Core Water, who again, someone I'm really close to to this day, always drill into me. Like, I mean, again, he's someone who's very. Book smart, quote unquote, um, and has all the all the most amazing degrees you can think of, but he's extremely creative. But he would always tell me, you know, you have to get better with the analytics and not not even as like a dig, just like yeah, something like someone who wants to see me do even better. And I don't think it was until COVID where I've really had that shape like that something really shook me to my core where I realized I needed to get closer to the numbers and what that experience was um going back to 2019. So we'll take it back. So Core, um we just had our acquisition to cure Dr. Pepper, big amazing moment. And I had two people that I had worked with at Core um, you know, offer me the opportunity to go and build the digital presence at the two new brands that they were starting. And I had no interest in being an entrepreneur at that time because I still felt like I had so much to learn from other people, but they had really wanted me to work on their brands and they, you know, couldn't hire me full time at both of the roles. So I went off and I started consulting and I was, that's what I was, I was doing content. I was doing influencer brand building, copywriting, coming up with campaign, um, ideas and, uh, just a little bit of everything, um, producing, directing. All, all of the creative brand building type of type of things, right? And then COVID came, and remember, I'm working with year one startups yeah. that are either changing where they are, um, you know, in terms of ownership, raising money, trying to trying to stay in the shelves at Whole Foods, and a number of them. I was working at this point. I had more clients than the two that I first mentioned. But a number of them is working with a fitness dating app, um, focusing on boutique fitness studios. We all know dating and boutique fitness was gone during COVID. Yeah. So I lost overnight, I would say like 75% of my income. And that moment was... Again, my career had always been the thing for me. Like Hard work has always been my... It's just always been the the constant in my life. Like my career has been, everything else could be falling apart, but my career was always rock solid until this moment. And it was just this unshakable, like just, just this terrifying moment. And um I knew at that moment I could never again be far away from analytics or far away to the sales metrics of what it takes to build a business and bring it forward. And that was the moment that I decided I needed to get some type of e commerce boot camp and I did. And I'm happy to go into that, but I want to, you know, if you have any questions.
0: Yeah, no, I want to take a quick pause there and um, ask you about, you know, again, going back to the, the word identity, uh, it sounds like a lot of that, you know, build up to that point in your life, you tied your success as an individual to your success at work. Am I, am I right on that?
1: I mean right on the money.
0: And um as as you kinda hit that point in COVID where things fell apart, I, I wanna kind of Walk the listeners through uh, perhaps the emotions that you were going through at that point. In terms of, did you consider yourself? Did you blame yourself? Did you consider yourself a failure for maybe making that decision to leap into consulting? Um, Did you uh, question how you'd potentially get out of the hole, and not just necessarily financially, but even in terms of just kind of preserving your own professional reputation, which you know you leaned on so heavily.
1: Yeah, I mean, so many great questions there. So financially I knew I'd be okay because one thing about me is I will I will find a way. I had a beautiful studio apartment in Chelsea that I worked so hard to get. It was my everything and I just knew that no matter what there was no possible way that that was going to be taken away from me. I remember looking at like you know my investment account and saying like okay like if all else fails I'll just like pay the rent for the next year out of this like it was it was dark um but as far as my identity that was what you know what really was terrifying I just had started dating someone new at the time and one thing about you know the great success I had early in my in my career in my 20s is like i mentioned everything else can be falling apart around me but my career was always rock solid so none of my relationships were sustainable healthy nothing not even close it was and it was embarrassing for me i think in the back of my head because i was like how can you be so great at like what you do for work and then just absolutely miss in the relationship realm and that was always like i remember seeing so many successful women i looked up to and reading interviews about them and and hearing them say, you know, credit their husband or the fiance or boyfriend for what whatever it was, like being a support system, whether it was whatever it was. And I remember just saying, like, I can't even imagine what I would do if I had like a solid home base. I mean, my family's amazing, but like home in terms of a partner. Yeah. And so, and that was like all the way until my late 20s. So, like I mentioned, I was um when when the COVID downfall, we can call it when that happened, I had just started dating someone long distance in Miami, but I was in Miami when everything was falling apart. And I remember just saying, like, "What do I have to offer this man? I can't go out and like look cute and mask my sadness and, and failure in like you know a cute Instagram picture and social outing. And I can't, I I can't go to work. And I'm not making the money that I'm used to making. And what can I offer this person? They're going to leave. They're not, you know, yeah. I'm nothing now. And I remember him saying a few words that changed everything. And he just looked at me and was like, we will get through this. And this again, this was very early in our relationship. And I was like, that's like pretty startling. Like we, as in a couple, I mean, he was fine. He he worked in finance. He was busier yeah. than ever. And I just you know, so that was that was big. And again, I was in Miami. I was just like, okay, this is the end. And, um, even though I was doing everything I could to get more clients, and I did do a pretty great job looking back, um, there was times where I was um, thinking to myself, "Well, maybe I'm meant to live a more chill life. Maybe I'm meant to just have the man who works really hard, and I keep the home really nice. Maybe this is my new Miami life. This is who I am." Mm-hmm. And I couldn't have been more wrong because <laughs> that's not what happened, you know. <laughs> later on,
0: <laughs> no, that's interesting. I, I want to kind of dig into uh, one of the things that you mentioned a little bit earlier. It's always funny to me, and and I've had I had kind of a similar experience, but when you work in a role like you worked in and, and you talked about it yourself the importance of of EQ and relationship building you know to your success right and you think about how much your ability to build relationships drove your success you know and i think that's a, to be said for a lot of people in their career but a lot of times you know fostering the professional relationships that take them where they need to go in their career doesn't necessarily translate to relationships in your personal life and i think that's You know, just such an interesting situation or or scenario that happen happens oh so often. um, That in my experience, once once things kind of shifted, and then like I realized like like how to navigate a personal relationship better. I was scratching my head into why, why did it take me so long to get here? Um, did you have a similar experience or, um, or was it a little different?
1: Well, I think for me, I don't think I questioned why it took so long because it was really tough. I remember the first few weeks of feeling like I couldn't escape. like I couldn't mask my happiness, like I said, by going out, going to a work event, networking. Um, I couldn't, I wasn't really working at the same pace that I was. I didn't have all of the things that protected me. My, my New York identity, which was everything to me was gone. I was just sitting in Miami in like, you know, my, my boyfriend's house. And I had, I felt like I had nothing. And I just remember feeling like a relation, like trying to escape and trying to rebel against it, like starting fights and starting arguments and, um, that saying, I don't know who said it or where it comes from, but relationships are like a mirror and it projects to you what you ultimately like need to see about yourself. I think I realized that really quickly. Like, wow, I'm doing a lot to mask, to to keep like a barrier around myself and a lot of superficial, you can call them, I don't know if you can call them superficial, but like ego driven items where I was using to keep myself safe, whether it was the going out, the Instagram posting, the networking, the defining myself by my career. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like COVID's over now and like my career and like my professional relationship is just as important to me now as it was then. I I think now I have a sense of, um, you know, separation. Mm-hmm. And, and my ego has been broken a little bit. Um, but back to your question, I felt like I knew why it was hard. I don't feel like I was like, why did it take me so long? I feel like I knew why it took me so long. And that was because in New York, you're constantly, I don't want to speak for everyone, but for me, at least, I was constantly building these barriers around me that protected me and kept me safe. Um, and I, I'd like to think I have grown up and grown away from that in my life now.
0: would you say that especially throughout that period, you were good at being present or living life you know in the present, or were you? You know, running at a million miles per hour, and maybe more focused on what lies ahead of you. It doesn't sound like you necessarily had too many regrets about what was behind you. So I don't, I don't know. I'll let you kind of speak to that. But, but were you good at being present? Was that something that you even acknowledged? Is that something that you think about now?
1: Um, No, I was never good at being present, including today. (laughs) I'm, I'm not good at, I'm not good at being present, and it's something that I'm actively working on. I think that goes back to the book title that I said I would give you. It's like constantly running up the stairs, like just constantly looking towards the next thing. I'm not proud of it. But I'll be honest and say that I'm not I'm not great at being present. Um, it's something that I have to work at. And I think that's something that a, a lot of ambitious people... I'm sure you can relate. It's, it's a tough one.
0: So now diving back into the book title, why are you running up the stairs in heels?
1: <laughs> because i think that as women we have to it's just harder for us right it's like i'm not even running up the stairs but i have to look good doing it and and to even pretend that the way you present as a woman has nothing to do with your success or lack thereof or the way people view you is just like completely false and it's important to me i mean i i love dressing up i love I love being a woman in that respect, but I think that it's so, so challenging. Just It's just like additional layer of like being of uncomfortable, of comfortability, that's the word. Um, <laughs> but constantly like having that extra layer.
0: Yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. And I think you're absolutely right. And I think that um, makes your story like e- even more credible because despite the fact that the picture of a woman running up the stairs could seem you know kind of chaotic. when you look at what you present ultimately, it comes with a lot of grace. Uh, when you think about um, you know who you are in your day to day and and what you do for your role and and what you do to represent your company and your organization, um, it's almost like I couldn't even think of the woman running up the stairs you know when I, when I see. What it is that you put forth as a final product, um, so kudos to you on that um, all right, so let's um let's talk a little bit further. so, um, you moved to miami um and um I know in in our conversations, there's this constant friction between your new life in Miami and your old life in new York. um and I want to dive into that for the listener a little bit um and to kind of really get into. Uh, You even mentioned like a New York identity. Do you have a Miami identity or is that still still kind of being shaped?
1: That's that's a really good question. Um, And I love that we're talking about this, by the way, because I have people that I talk to on Instagram and they always tell me, I feel like you're either like you either hate New York and love New York or you, you either hate Miami or you love Miami. And I just say like, It's just, it's not one or the other. It's a constant struggle. And I feel like I'm getting more comfortable in my Miami life now, but it sure took a long time. Um, I would say my New York identity is focused on independence. And, you know, like I mentioned before, I wasn't in any functioning relationship. So I was just doing so much by myself. And there's something like so special about that because, you probably will never get that time back where before you're in like your serious relationship and you're just you're just figuring it all out and you're completely selfish and focusing on what you need to do to be happy and to find yourself. So oh my gosh, I have so many nostalgic moments every time I go back to New York and it's just the most beautiful thing and you know the hustle, the energy, the constant inspiration. It's inspiration overload. It's like a roller coaster. Your day can change by just walking outside, and it's oh, I just absolutely love. I love New York. Um, it's this, it's something. It's I consider it home still, but this is just my other home, and my identity in Miami. I mean, I'm I'm the same. I'm still the hard worker. Um, it's just that now I have a partner. It's like our life, yeah, which is this like. It's so, it's so crazy to think about that, that I didn't have that at all in New York. I didn't even know what that was. So yeah, this is our life in New York and this is our home. And, um, it's a lot more active. Um, obviously there's a lot of like, I think people get the wrong idea about Miami. Like it's all flashy and ego driven and it can be, but if, if you are in the right circles or you're just focused on what you're doing, I mean, I go to nice dinners, of course, but I think. Here there's more of a focus on nature and physical fitness in a sense, like not Barry's classes, but more like, you know, you're going paddle boarding or you're kayaking or you're taking a walk, you're going to the beach, and all these things are free. And that's what I think is so special. You don't need to go out and get glitzy and glam to have the best time. You can literally go and take a beautiful walk any single day it's pretty much always sunny and it's you just walk outside and you're having fun just by being in the sun i will say that my creativity has definitely i struggle with like the loss of creativity here because it's it's just like just the little shops and the creative people in new york and there's a huge lack of that in miami so here you kind of shut off your brain a little bit in a way um when you're like strolling and new york's a place for discovery so I have to go back often, or else I'll feel like my creativity is is stagnant if I stay here for too
0: long. <laughs> no, I, um, I totally hear yeah. you. On that. I um, you know, I have these conversations with my wife all the time, especially you know, you had mentioned that that period of independence in New York, and for me when i had that period of independence that was the most self growth i've ever seen you know of myself and and you feel really good when even even when you're growing through trying times and i don't know if this was the case for you you know when mm-hmm. you went through your situation with covid but for me like i had gone through some difficult moments in my career and in my personal life and um even overcomp- over over oh, sorry accomplishing different things in terms of my fitness goals and mm-hmm. um it was all during that period when I was kind of independent in the city and uncovering who I was and what I was capable of. And one of the things that, you know, this might be crazy to say, but one of the things that I potentially fear about one day not being in in the city um, is losing the power of those moments of growth. Um, Not to say that again, you're not growing in in Miami, but um, did you have that same fear? or you know are you still kind of working through that and how do you address that i mean new york is just so special when it comes to that
1: yeah definitely i mean there's there's always someone you can meet with there's always Networking opportunities, you can find your next job or your next like career, you know, opportunity just by walking down the street and saying hi to someone you haven't seen in a few years. There's, it's, it's so magical. So when I first came here, I just, I felt like, well, that's my life. Like I had a good run. I'm going to just chill out. And, and again, by the way, there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking a chill approach and, and, Cooking and cleaning and being home as a woman. Believe me, that sounds absolutely lovely. I love fitness. I love home. I love cooking. I love being home, but it's also not, it's, you know, I, I don't know if that's for me right now. Right. But when I came here, I just, I, I thought that maybe that's what I, that was where, what I had to do because the connections, um, I would still work, but I just thought the connections here. They weren't going to take me anywhere. No one would want to hire me. Um, again, this is before like remote work became totally acceptable. So I just kind of assumed like, okay, if I stay here, like my old life is over. And I think this is also panic during COVID. I don't, I don't know if if that would have happened. Would I would have like you know would I have stayed? I, I don't think so. Um, just because it's that would have been really tough for me, but. Um, I had this idea that my career was over um, being outside of New York. I was irrelevant. People would forget about me. I, nothing that I did would matter. Again, ego driven uh, concerns, right? And I was very wrong. I um, got a new job here during COVID, which was fully remote. It was a sports nutrition brand, um, really big in the e commerce space, which is where I learned a ton. And it was from someone I had known from a connection who lived in Miami. So again, your connections follow you. It's not like you're just like, it's not like I moved to like Asia or Europe or somewhere completely different. I had connections in Miami. Um, and, and yeah, but I, I did think, okay, like I'm, I'm never going to make it to where I want to be now that I'm in Miami. And then, you know, two years later, two promotions later, three jobs later, um, I accomplished a goal that as a woman, latina woman middle class um no fancy degree no mba i'm now a c suite executive so i was very wrong <laughs> uh,
0: i mean i got to take a second to to process that because i mean it's crazy it, it, in a good way like it, it's it's um like'm I'm, I'm very proud of you um and thank you, you know, I'm proud that that you're here um and on this platform because you truly are uh, an example and I think what I love about your story the most is it it's so relatable on so many fronts but you know that last step of accomplishing that goal and getting to that to that position um you know it projects a message of it's possible, like it it's very possible, um, and it, it just takes the right mindset and the right approach and um you know the persistence to keep on going um, you know I, I feel like uh, within within the confines of your story, there's a lot of lessons to be learned, and so we'll go back to. The title of the book, Running Up the Stairs and Heels. And I, you know, I didn't think we were going to do this. And it's funny because I've never really done this on this show. <laughs> but, you know, when you think about the other women out there right now, uh, who are going through their own journeys and, and perhaps feeling like they're running up the stairs and heels right now, you know, what pieces of advice might you have for them? Yeah,
1: this is something that I'm super passionate about and um, is just having these conversations with women and um, being really open about my story because I think no one wins when we're secretive or pretend everything is perfect or planned. So I'm glad that you asked this question. I would advocate for women to advocate for themselves, essentially. So to say, like, what is it that you want? What What, what do you really, really, really want? Think about it. What do you really want? Are you saying that you want to be the VP of marketing because you think you'll never be the CMO? Or do you truly just want to be the VP? And again, that's fine, but like I was one of those people who said I wanted to be the VP of marketing because I didn't think I would ever be at a C in front of my name, right? But my advice would be to really, when you're going for a job, to make sure that you are you are interviewing and you're, you're selecting the job for the team. Don't select it for the title. Um, of course, you want to, you know, you want to have a great product and a great brand, but really make sure that you adore the team and you feel like that you can grow. If that's what you want to do, if you want to grow, um, really make sure that your that your manager is going to be someone that is will empower you, and then do not be afraid to say what you want. And again, we don't like it. Doesn't have to be. I want to be the CMO or I want to be the CEO or but but. If If you want a promotion in the year, then say, "Hey, I'm really excited to work here." and I mean, of course, like read the room, don't do it the first day you're hired. But again, again, if that's a goal and you and that's you know your specific goal, make it very clear because the, your manager should ultimately be telling you what it takes to get there and setting you a path, like setting a path for you to grow into what your goals are. So, If you have a goal, hey, in a year, this is where I want to. This is where I see myself in five years. This is where I see myself. How can we build a plan to help me get there? And if your manager is not helping, if, if you once let your manager know that that's your goal and they're not help, they're not. I mean, they're not going to do it for you. Let's be clear. But if they're not, you know, setting the plan with you or giving, laying out some type of framework for you and working with you to get there, then they're not the right. That's not the right fit for you. And I want to be very, very clear. Jobs are not a, it's not a soup kitchen, right? And it's not, it's not the manager. The manager isn't there to like do that for you. You still have to do the work, but have those open conversations as often as possible. Because there's nothing embarrassing about having ambition.
0: Absolutely. Did you ever think to yourself or did you ever have concern that you were perhaps intimidating to a manager or a higher up? Hmm. I mean, let me, le- think about let that. me, re- let me rephrase it a little bit. You had very lofty goals. Yeah. And the types of goals that if a manager or a higher up doesn't see the value in themselves, you know, could maybe project that on to you. Yeah. Uh, And so it's not your fault, of course. It's more... The reason I ask is because I want to ask you how you would navigate a situation where you're super ambitious, you want to accomplish a lot, you see yourself um, in the C-suite. But perhaps the people above you had their own shortcomings and in their mind, they're saying, yeah, no, there's no, there's no way that person's going to get to where they want to go because they're just looking at themselves in the mirror. Um, So if -hmm. you can speak to that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I had to think about it because when I was really young, like I said, I had just blind confidence. I I didn't know where it came from. Um, And I, I do remember a few instances where I don't know if everyone was pleased with. The fact that i was super ambitious and i think you have to you have to read the room like a lot of this is like eq stuff right so if you see that you have to like my advice is to i mean you have to you have to really watch out not to step on people's toes so again like don't do it the first day that you're hired but build (laughs) build a rapport and build trust and and add value and then another piece of advice that i can give is um To build alliances at the company. So, before you start telling everyone what your lofty goals are, and by the way, you don't need to tell everyone, you can tell your manager. Um, And if you don't feel comfortable telling your manager, I mean, number one, that's a a red flag, but number two, maybe go to someone in the organization that could be like a sponsor for you, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is fine. But um, build a rapport. So, build trust within the organization. This, This is someone that adds value. And then highlight the great things about the other team members in public before you start saying, this is what I want. So you see someone on your team or a higher up. I mean, just because someone's the CEO or um, a director or a C-suite executive doesn't mean that they don't want to be told, great job in public because yeah. that's that's a human... You don't grow out of that just because yeah. you're a senior executive. So again, like before you start telling everyone... And maybe not tell everyone, tell... Tell who you think can can help you get there. Make sure that you are celebrating people above you in public, and make sure that again, like I don't know, I've always I've always used this as advice. But your job is to make your boss's job easier, right? So your job is to make with one of your jobs as as a direct report is to make your job your boss's job easier and to make them look good, right? So if you're doing that, I think most people, unless they are You know, they shouldn't be in their position, but they're, they're not going to be super intimidated. If you're constantly making them look good, allowing them to grow, raising them in public, building alliances in the right way, then you should be able to, and and doing the work, you know, of course, you should, you should feel confident in asking for what you want.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, as we wrap things up, I do want to ask you, I will never ask a a guest like, you know, where do you see yourself in five years or anything like that, but you've accomplished a lot. So I'm more interested in knowing... Where you find most fulfillment now, because I feel like that's probably what you have to chase, um, because I, something tells me you're no longer chasing titles, you're probably not chasing money. You know what what fulfills you right now and and where do you see your life kind of taking you in terms of the things that you're going to be striving for?
1: Yeah. well, I am chasing money. Let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very open about the fact that it's okay to want a beautiful life for yourself. Right. And I, you know, especially coming from a middle-class family, my family gave me everything I ever wanted. I, uh, to an extent, but I never, I never went without, let's put it this way. And I want to have beautiful things too. And I want to have a family someday too. So definitely um, I'm financially driven. Absolutely. But um, no, like outside of that, like what really lights me up. I'm really focused on being a great manager right now because to your point, I'm not chasing the title anymore. Um, obviously I'm like, this is my first bigger role. So I want to, I want to really do a great job and I still have to prove that and I still have to carry that through. So just doing the good, honest work. Um, but building, but becoming a better leader. Because again, that's a skill. i'm 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 trying to lean more into my soft skills and eQ, you can say, because I think that's um, you can always hire someone to learn um, a type of you know, analytical or specific uh tactical skill but that's something that is in you and no one can take from you right so i'm constantly trying to be a better leader a better manager um so that's that brings me a lot of joy and and growing my team and then lastly empowering other women um i've always been that friend that's that the friend that's the resume writer the cover letter reviewer or the you know can you make an intro to this person that's really always been my role in my friend group amongst my peers Um, so continuing to be there for other women and not even just women. Like I have so many amazing guy friends that are doing great things in the space. And whenever I see them, win, whether it's like on LinkedIn or, you know, I, I talk to them and I know what they're working on, it's the best feeling. So just being there to rise up other people through the ranks and, and help answer the hard questions and, and guide them through challenges that I've been through and, um, it's it's rewarding. I want to I want to give back. I don't want to just be in my own executive bubble.
0: Yeah. What advice do you have for leaders out there um who perhaps could overlook a Julia somewhere. Like you know, a young Julia somewhere. <laughs> uh because um clearly you've got what it takes, right? But there are so many instances of Managers or people in decision decision making roles uh, who might overlook um, you know someone such as yourself um, and so you know what advice do you give to leaders out there and, and I'm sure it's something that you employ as well as you're looking for people um, and as you're building a team um, can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, and I think what you mean is potentially look over someone that maybe doesn't have the Flashy degrees or the pedigree, quote unquote, and um, I would assume that someone who would be looking over someone who doesn't have those qualities, maybe they have those qualities, and that's why they don't think someone else is worthy. I would tell them that you need to fill your blind spots and you need to you need to fill your gaps in an organization. So if there's already one of you that has the, you know, I hate to even use the word like pedigree or status, like i don't know degrees fancy degrees why does your entire team unless you're doing something very technical like we're not talking about surgery we're not talking about you know doctors things like that so you know why does there need to be a team of all of the same like you, you want a diverse team because you want diverse perspectives and you want to fill your blind spots i mean I don't necessarily want to hire, always hire another Julia, I guess you can say, because yeah. I, I have that. So I'm looking for people that can fill my blind spots or um, at all times. And I I guess that's my advice.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. Um, no, I, I want to say thank you. I mean, we've really kind of uncovered a lot here. We talked about, you know, where hard work was instilled. We talked about um, where professionally you bottomed out during COVID. We talked about what you learned about uh, the importance of a healthy relationship and and how you uh, approach relationships. And you know, for the listeners out there, when we think about pit to peak trajectory, we talk about this all happened in 2020 in terms of where we were bottomed out and we're barely 3 years into it now um and and Julia is at the top of her game professionally so i just want to say thank you for coming on board um it was incredible listening to you again i'm i'm super proud of all the work that you're doing um and i'm glad that um you truly are setting an example for a, a lot of people women in particular out there um who are going to be looking at you and and thinking you know she was very much a normal person, but she she fought for what she wanted. Um and, and she got there. So thank you for coming on board.
1: Yes, I'm as normal as it gets. <laughs> but um but but thank you. This has been strangely cathartic. So I really enjoyed the conversation.
0: You got it. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family, and let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.